I can't. But you can. I can't. I'm telling you, you can. I'm telling you that I can't. But if you just listen to me, I'm telling you, you can. This is typically how the argument goes every once in a while when I talk to someone who has run a marathon. How many here have run a marathon? Raise your hand. Raise it high. Be proud. All right. Pretty typical. It's about like less than uh, my rough survey. It's less than 2% of the population have actually run marathons. And every time I think about running a marathon, I just like, I have a mental block of running 26.2 miles. Like I can't even get myself past like a couple of weeks of training. And I just say, like, I just can't. I love my knees too much. I love my body too much. I love my time too much. I love my sanity too much. And uh, the person who, who always has run the marathon is like, look, you can, man. It's just not that, it just takes a while. It takes steps. It takes, there's this book you got to get, you know, and you need like three months and you, you don't just go out and run 26.2 miles. You run like two and then you run four and then you run six and you run eight, then you run 12 and then 20 and trying to convince me that it's a process of not just physical endurance, but it's a process of building up mental endurance, mental stamina. Getting your body to understand and your mind to understand that even though it feels like you can't go any further, you just tell your body that you can go, and your body can do so much more than you think is possible. They often talk about, and this furthers my can't attitude, when they say, oh yeah, like I, I, I got to a point where I hit a wall, they talk about, at mile 20 or a mile 22, and I couldn't feel anything, I just couldn't, um, I couldn't move, I couldn't walk, I, you know, and, and I just, you know, I looked around, I had support, or I grabbed some water, or I had a running buddy, and we just, I, it was just like take one step at a time until maybe my body like woke up or maybe something happened, but, but I finished. It didn't matter. I wasn't the first, I wasn't the last, but I finished. I crossed the line. Finishing is, is a big deal. I talked at last mass about 26 miles. I can't even, someone said point two, like there's a point two in there and that's a big deal. Finishing, right? It's easy to start something. It's not easy to finish something. How many of us in here maybe uh, are married? And many of you uh, stood up. Maybe you stood up here at church and you stood up and you looked into your spouse's eye and you said, I promise to be true to you in good times and bad and sickness and health. I promise to honor you all the days of my life. And you, you said that with a smile and you thought of all the beautiful days and years and 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You thought of all the kids. And then 10 years later, you're looking at your spouse and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> forever? Like, I can't even get past today, right? You're like, I, I, I don't even want another year, much less 10 years, much less 20 years. Like, what, how am I going to get through this, right? Maybe you find yourself single and, and maybe you're in your late 20s or maybe early 30s and you're thinking, how am I going to, like, what's the next step? 
What is God calling me to do? I thought I would be here. I thought I would be here. I thought I would be here. I can't even think of the next 10 years, much less the next year. I just don't know where I'm going. I feel lost. How many of you have been like caught up in addiction? I've spoken to a lot of people who maybe are just addicted to alcohol or addicted to, to other things that that maybe they just can't possibly see how the rest of their life could offer an avenue of sobriety, how they could possibly be free of this addiction for one day, much less the rest of their life. And when you talk to these people, maybe some of them who have entered recovery, someone has come along and said, hey, let's not think about the rest of your life. Let's just think about tomorrow. Let's just think about today. Let's just think about this hour. Let's think about this moment, this second. Let's just say yes right now. And we'll worry about the next moment after. And we'll worry about the next moment after. Because the process of fidelity, the process of getting to the finish line is one step at a time. And when we look at the whole picture, sometimes we can get overwhelmed and we just say, I can't. I want to remind you of a character that maybe you know, real person, um, St. Paul. St. Paul um, wrote the majority of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of the letters to different communities. Um, St. Paul, uh, amazing life, if you read his life. He was a, a Jewish person who became a Roman citizen, well-read. He was a scholar of the law. He knew um, the, the Bible at the time, the Old Testament. He knew the history of God's people. Um, he was zealous for God. And he heard about Jesus. He heard about this community. He heard about these, this man called Jesus who claimed to be God, who was rallying a bunch of people around him. He didn't believe that Jesus was who he says he was. He started arresting Christians. He was there and present at the hands of the death of many Christians. He was out to destroy the Christian religion. One day God comes um, has a moment with Paul, like comes and appears to Paul. Paul has a, a life-changing conversion. He does a 180 and he becomes a Christian himself. And he starts to preach and he starts to gather people in Jesus' name. He starts to work for the kingdom. And guess what it got him? They tried stoning him to death. They thought he was dead. They left him. The Christians gathered around. They prayed over him and he kind of came back to life. And you'd think he might have said, I, I can't. Like, this is enough. Like, this is not even worth it. Like, you guys, are, you guys are crazy. Like, this is ridiculous. No, Paul goes back preaching, and, and Paul goes and writes letters to different communities, and, and, and guess what? They got him. They actually stoned him again. And you'd think he would say, I, I can't. This is too much. This is just ridiculous. Um, people don't like other people being Christians in this time and place. But no, Paul, he, he writes in his letters how he was, he was shipwrecked so many times, how he was left for dead so many times. And, and Paul just kind of gets to the end of his life. And Paul writes actually our second letter today that we heard in the Mass. Paul is writing, this is like his last letter. He writes to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy. And Paul senses that he's about to, to die, not because of natural, not a natural death, not because he's just getting old, but because he's about to be killed for his faith in Jesus. And he says this, I'm already being poured out like a libation. 
How do we understand that? What's Paul talking about? Well, priests would go and they would pour things on the altar as an offering. So they would pour oil. They would pour wine on the altar as a sacrifice to God. So Paul's saying my life is being poured out on the altar like a libation, like a sacrifice. My life is being sacrificed right now. Every yes I say is a sacrifice. And I feel like I'm being poured out completely. And the time of my departure is at hand. Paul's not leaving a physical place. Paul is saying, I'm about to leave this life itself. My time of departure is at hand. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He goes on to say, from now on, the crown of righteousness, the crown, martyrs are often uh, depicted with a crown. They, They win the crown of martyrdom. The crown of righteousness awaits me, which the Lord, the just judge, will afford to me on that day. And not only to me, but all who have longed for his appearance. Paul is saying, I'm about to die. And this is how I've lived my life. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In good times and bad, in sickness and in health, Paul has been faithful. He looked at his life as a race, competing finishing. Paul could have said, I, I can't. Paul could have quit many a times, and, but he didn't. He remained faithful. He experienced that God's grace was enough for him in the present moment, whatever the situation is. In another letter, Paul writes to the Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. God is faithful and will not let you be tried beyond your strength. This is Paul writing from experience, writing to the Corinthians, God is faithful. So Paul has experienced God's fidelity and will not let you be tried beyond your strength. He can only write this from experience. I have competed well, he says. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I'm not sure where you are in your life right now. Maybe you walked into church on a high. Maybe you feel really close to God. And and saying yes right now to God in the small things and the big things doesn't seem really difficult. And so praise God. I want you to thank God for that. I want you just to delight. And I want you to uh, enjoy the consolation that God is giving you right now. I'm a big fan of St. Ignatius of Loyola. I've studied his work. He writes the spiritual exercises, and he says, in times of consolation, when we feel close to God, consider how it will be because when we are in desolation, when we are going to feel distant and far from God, we will need to remember that there was a moment where I felt close to God. And that's the time where we need to say yes. And we need to be fervent in our decision to follow him. Because there will be a time when we feel far from God, when our commitments are difficult to make. In rule seven of the spiritual exercises, it says, when we feel distant from God, when God has maybe withdrawn his comfort from us, when he has withdrawn his sense of being close to us, at that moment, we need to be resolved in our yes to choose God. In the midst of temptation, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the enemy's tactics towards us to get us to deny him, to get us to choose selfishness, we need to be steadfast and firm in our resolve to follow the Lord, to be faithful, to run the race, 
to keep the fight. By the way, our fight is not between the person sitting next to you. Our fight is not between our spouse. It's not between our friend. It's not between our kids. It's not between our coworkers. It's not between our fellow Christians. It's between an enemy who wants us to deny that we belong to Christ and wants us to choose selfishness and wants us to, to fall away from the Lord, wants us to deny that we belong to someone else whose crown is waiting for us in heaven. The end goal, the finish line, is heaven. We're all called to be saints. If you're sitting in the church today, most all of us are believers. Some of you are maybe thinking about it. Some of you are considering Jesus as a possibility of someone I want to follow in my life. But if you had chosen to follow Jesus and you consider yourself Christian, our finish line is heaven and our call is to be saints. What's a saint? A saint is someone who is in heaven. And that may sound daunting. That may sound like 26.2 miles. But the way that a person becomes a saint is that we become faithful now in whatever God's calling us to do, in the selflessness that God's calling us to, in the act of service that God's calling us to, whether it's easy or whether it's difficult, whether we like our spouse, whether we like our friend, whether we like whatever it is that God's calling us to, to say yes and to be faithful, to run the race well is the call. And the enemy is, is chirping, chirping, right over our shoulder. You can't. It's going to be too hard. It's going to be too difficult. Look at your whole life. Look at all of you have done. You can't possibly be faithful now, much less the rest of your life. You can't possibly be a saint. You're not great like Paul. You're not great like Ignatius. You're not great like Therese, big T, little t. You're just you. Your life is hidden. Your life is small. Your life is insignificant. But you're not Paul, you're not Therese, you're you. And God has called you to be a saint in your little life, in your little way, in your small hidden yeses every day. And the Lord and the angels and all the saints are whispering, you can, just one step at a time. Let's just be faithful today. Let's just be faithful in whatever God's asking you to do today, right now. Whether it's do your homework when you're supposed to, whether it's clean your room when you're supposed to, take out the trash when you're supposed to, work until five because you're supposed to, don't take things because they're not yours and that's what you're supposed to do, tell the truth because that's what you're supposed to do. Use the internet, your computer, your phone for the purpose that it's meant and designed for and not for any other reason, because that's what you're supposed to do. Paul just encourages us. I have competed well. In the face of death, Paul says, I'm about to die. By the way, the way Paul died, it was an actual, it, it was an honor. They were going to give Paul an honor the way he was going to die. Because he was a Roman citizen, instead of crucifying him, they actually were going to cut off his head. It was an honor because he was a, a Roman citizen. So in the face of Paul losing his life, Paul says, I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Whatever you're struggling with, hear Paul say you can. Because God is at hand. His help is at hand.
Let us ask the Lord for help in the small things, in the little things. Because with God's help, we can 